Hello and welcome to Locked On St. Louis Cardinals, your regular podcast with the local expertise. You need to make sure that all of your Cardinals coverage is being uh, consolidated in all the right places to make sure that you're not missing out on what has obviously so far been a thrilling Cardinals baseball season. My name is Jeff Jones, bringing you the podcast from home this morning before I head down to Bush Stadium on what looks like a, a gray and, and, and cloudy day. I uh, was doing my regular radio hit on St. Louis Live this morning, which by the way, you can catch on 920 AM WGNU Every uh, every Monday through Friday from seven to ten was doing my radio hit there and uh, had had that conversation with with Chris and Travis about the possibility that maybe it's going to be a rain day. It looks like it could be the uh, the gray kind of day that frankly the Cardinals might need at this point uh, to give themselves a little bit of a breather as they go in to the series with the Cleveland Indians and then the Atlanta Braves over the weekend. The Cardinals coming out of their road trip to Philadelphia and Milwaukee with a 3-4 and four record that frankly at this point uh, almost feels like a victory. You know, you, you hesitate to say that a road trip uh, throughout Throughout the the throughout the, the the National League against some rivals who you may be competing against uh, for playoff positioning in theory at least uh, where you come out with a losing record you hesitate to say that that's a good trip but when you consider the way that that trip started the way the Cardinals went one and two in Philadelphia lost the first two in Milwaukee uh, there was potential for that trip to turn out really really badly had the Cardinals managed to get swept in Milwaukee they not only would have been practically out of the division race I think it also would have portended some major changes probably coming to the coaching staff uh, at a bare minimum here for the Cardinals. As is, they sort of escaped the weekend by winning the final two games in Milwaukee, including in uh, in, in definitive shape yesterday afternoon over the Brewers 8-2. So uh, with that in mind, the trip turns out to mostly be okay. I do think, though, that there were obviously uh, some big concerns that sprouted up along the road trip that the Cardinals are now going to have to deal with. The first of those concerns, uh, I think quite obviously, is the oblique injury to Michael Waka. Waka suffered a left oblique strain on the trip. Uh, he, he's still, I think, being reevaluated. We haven't really heard a definitive length of time when he's expected to be out, but I think it's fair to say that uh, just about a month is likely what we're looking at in terms of a return for Michael Waka. Today would be Waka's day in the rotation, and instead, John Gant scheduled to get that start for the Cardinals against the Cleveland Indians and Steve Clevenger. Uh, Gant is a guy who has been... I think serviceable in his recalls from Memphis, but also was not a player who I think anybody is going to mistake as some sort of big difference maker, right? Gant is a guy that the Cardinals can turn to to get probably four to five innings of, of reliable baseball, but not a guy who's likely to dominate this game. And, and, and so I think it does leave some fans wondering why Gant would be the choice and not a guy like Dakota Hudson. Hudson, whose ERA is now below 2.1 in AAA, had another dominating start over the weekend, and, and looks like a guy who is certainly knocking on the door of arriving in Major League Baseball. I, You know, the, the, the standard concerns with a guy like Hudson, bringing up a younger guy and adding him to the roster and burning an option year, these are all things that are in play for the Cardinals. But I think that there's an angle to that that I hadn't previously considered 
that uh, I, I heard espoused over the weekend. I was listening to an episode of the best podcast in baseball. That's that's Derek Gould's podcast. He had Dan McLaughlin on and his uh, as as his guest, and they were talking about Hudson in the context of how he would be perceived by other teams. I.e., if Hudson is a guy who the Cardinals view as a potential trade piece to improve this season, then it's important that they sort of evaluate how other teams would want Hudson to arrive on their doorsteps. And the point that Derek and Danny Mac made, which was smart, not one that I had considered was that other teams would likely view Hudson as a more valuable piece if he did not come already attached to the 40-man roster. Because Dakota Hudson, not eligible for the Rule 5 draft this winter, wouldn't be until next winter, and so you would have an entire extra year where you could hold off burning an option year on Dakota Hudson. And so if you're another team who's looking to make a trade with the Cardinals, and Hudson would be a centerpiece of that trade, and at this point, he likely would have to be, uh, because if, if the Cardinals are making a trade to improve for the current, I sincerely doubt they can afford to part ways with either Jack Flaherty or Jordan Hicks, given what they mean to the current year's ball club, that means Hudson becomes a center of some of those conversations and he may be more valuable to other teams as a non-40-man roster player. So kudos to Derek and and Danny Mack for that sort of deeper valuation that frankly I hadn't considered uh, in in, in thinking about the ways that the Cardinals could or couldn't use Dakota Hudson. And so with that in mind, it does stand to reason that Gant becomes the guy. If it's a conversation between Gant and Daniel Ponce de Leon, then I think you stick with Gant as a guy who you sort of know what you're going to get. But I don't know necessarily that the Cardinals are going to be comfortable with John Gant as a pitcher in their rotation for three or four turns through. If it's true that, you know, Michael Waka is likely to miss probably until the All-Star break, if not a little longer then I think it's it's fair to consider whether the Cardinals are going to have to look outside of the organization for help. As I, as, as I mentioned earlier, I think that the series in Milwaukee ending the way that it did kind of buys the Cardinals a little bit of time in that if they had found themselves in a position where they were coming back into a homestand, uh, having won only one of seven games on the road and having really been out, kind of out of the race, then it would have been time for some more dramatic changes. But lo and behold, as the Cardinals wake up this morning, they find themselves at 40 and 36, a game and a half behind the Phillies for the second wild card position, and in fact, uh, only two and a half behind the Cubs for the first wild card position, and then four and a half behind the Brewers for the division. So, not in a position where obviously they they would feel comfortable with where they're at right now, but also, again, not in a position where they really feel out of it. I think the the creation, the advent, and the usage of the second wild card has clearly created a, a weird spot for a lot of ball clubs where it's really hard to be very far out of the race by the time, for example, the trade deadline rolls around. And so if you're the Cardinals and you maintain this status where you're, you know, a game or so, one, two, two and a half games out of the wild card for an extended period of time, it's easy to see where they could kind of fall in love with the notion that they might still really be active in the race. Uh, the the concern, of course, is that the the wish becomes the father of the thought, and they're not really fairly evaluating their talent when it comes down to the deadline. And so uh, I do expect for the Cardinals to attempt at least to add some sort of of, of moderate help at the deadline, because it does look like uh, no matter what we may have thought at the start of this road trip, the Cardinals are going to at least be in this race down to uh, down to the deadline.
there were some positives on the road trip from the Cardinals, uh, aside from simply getting out of the series in Milwaukee with a split. I, I think that sort of on a, on a global scale, we can start with the fact that uh, somehow the Cubs managed to be swept by the Reds in a four-game set over the weekend, uh, while the Cardinals were sort of floundering to, to scrape up a split in Milwaukee. That obviously goes a long way toward helping to keep the Cardinals in the race and, and sort of keeping the Cubs within shouting distance. Because I, I think that, you know, again, we've talked a lot about where the Cardinals would be at without their games against the Reds. Certainly they would be below 500 at this point. Uh, but, but, but other teams play the Reds too. And when they don't take advantage, then it does, I think, speak well to the ability of the Cardinals to sort of stand up and, and and make sure that they're doing everything they can to seize the opportunities put in front of them. They can look, they can only uh, they can only play the opponents that they're scheduled to play and and so uh, on days when that opponent happens to be the Cincinnati Reds and it's important that the Cardinals are getting victories out of those games. They have so far and the Cubs evidently have not had that same level of success. Uh, I think though on a more micro level when you talk about players on the Cardinals specifically there are two who stand out as having had an excellent road trip, the first of which uh, is is definitely Greg Holland. When the Cardinals left for the trip last week, I had a conversation with a couple of other writer media types in the press box, and it was a half-serious conversation where I said, do you think that Greg Holland survives the road trip? When, when, when we, were, we were walking out of the clubhouse uh, after that last game of the last homestand, Greg Holland's locker is is sort of closest to the door as you walk out, uh, and Greg was standing there packing, and I you know I saw him and said, "Hey, Greg, good to see you. Have a good trip." Uh, and honestly, thought there was a decent chance that was going to end up being the last time I spoke to Greg Holland in the Cardinals clubhouse. Now, that didn't end up being the case, obviously. He had uh, a very effective trip. Holland made three appearances over the trip, pitched three innings, and those three innings did not walk a batter, struck out five, and only allowed one hit. Uh, included in that was a back-to-back. He pitched on consecutive days in Philadelphia. And and, and so clearly, uh, the Cardinals think or are hoping that Holland did indeed figure something out uh, on on his rehab stint because the numbers down in triple and double A were not very good. And I don't think that there was much uh, enthusiasm for the return of Greg Holland, certainly among the media and and, then who knows among the brass of the Cardinals. Holland was in a spot where uh, because of his stature as a veteran player, because of the fact that, you know, there would be pressure, I think, put on the Cardinals from the Players Association and a number of other areas if they were to sort of gin up an injury and because you know they, they they really couldn't justify keeping Holland on a rehab assignment any longer than they did. So he was certainly in a spot where the Cardinals said, "Okay, show us that you can get something done." And these three appearances here for Greg Holland uh, are about as good as we've seen from Holland all season. Now he did have one stretch uh, at the beginning of May, the first week of May, where he had four consecutive appearances without giving up an earned run. He had another stretch in the third week in April where he had a similar stretch where he didn't give up an earned run. And so that's that's at least. Some some possibility here that Holland might be able to get himself together. Look, for all of the consternation about Greg Holland, all of all of the struggles he had were in fact over 
only 13 and a third innings pitched. It's not as though the Cardinals were looking at some giant sample size with Greg Holland, but that's that's the challenge of relievers. If you come in early and you're not effective immediately, then you find yourself in a position where you're behind the eight ball uh, and the numbers are going to look ugly. Holland still to date has a 7-7-1 ERA. It's not as though his numbers are very enticing, but hopefully for the Cardinals' sake, Holland is going to be able to put himself in a position and put the team in a position where he's going to be able to be useful. I, I don't know that Mike Matheny is very eager to use him uh, in these very high leverage spots yet, but it wouldn't shock me if over this week here with Cleveland and Atlanta in town, if you saw Greg Holland get some of those opportunities maybe in the seventh as, as a bridge to Norris and Hicks, or maybe in games where if, if Jordan Hicks were to be unavailable for a game, you might see Greg Holland even get an eighth inning appearance. I, you know, I, I think that his standing in the bullpen and his standing on the roster is still somewhat precarious, but given that the investment that the Cardinals have put into Greg Holland, they certainly would prefer to get something than to get nothing out of that investment. And it appears, at least over these last three appearances, that maybe something has changed and the Cardinals might actually be able to find something productive out of Greg Holland's season. Uh, The other player who had a notably impactful uh, return to the lineup and, and, and sort of uh, return to form over the road trip was Yadier Molina. In those seven games, Molina starting all seven of them, he hit five home runs all of a sudden, now has up to 11 homers in the season and 31 RBI, and his OPS jumped from 710 to 810, so jumped 100 points over the stretch of the road trip. That's uh, that's pretty important because when you look at the other guys that are on, on the roster right now in terms of, you know, Jose Martinez, was in a big slump, broke out maybe yesterday with a big three-run homer. Marcelo Zuna, after being named Player of the Week two weeks ago, uh, was in a, was in a pretty tough stretch following that. Obviously, you've had the concerns with the with the other offensive players all season. Yadier Molina has been a consistent when he's been healthy in that number five spot in the batting order. You can probably debate whether or not that's the best spot for him. Arguably, uh, in, when, when the Cardinals are in a spot where they have maybe more productive hitters available, Molina fits better in a six or seven spot. But he has been producing from that spot in the order thus far this season when he's been healthy. He's been he's been an effective offensive player. And then, you know, lo and behold here with Waka going on the DL uh, and Miles Michael is having some trouble getting run support here in June. All of a sudden, Yadier Molina looks like the player probably most likely to be an all-star for the Cardinals yet again this season. And, and, and so it's easy to see the kind of impact he has on the club because the kind of impact that Yadier Molina has defensively on the pitching staff has been well-established over many years here in St. Louis. But the kind of impact that he can have offensively on this team, it's important and can bring some guys out of a slump. And, you know, if we're talking about slumps and guys wanting to get out of it, there at least is, I guess, a glimmer of hope with Dexter Fowler. Had two doubles in the game yesterday in Milwaukee. That's his first game of the season with multiple extra base hits. And so if you squint and you turn your head, you think maybe, maybe, maybe the Cardinals are going to be in a spot where they can get something out of Dexter Fowler as well. If that's the case and the worm really does start to turn then that's you know look that's that's a that's a pretty big spot for these cardinals because as they come down the stretch here into in, from june into july uh it's going to be i think a struggle for the pitching staff to keep up with the pace that they've had so far this season
As I mentioned earlier, the Cardinals' rotation as of now sets them in a spot where they're relying on Miles Michaelis to be effectively the ace of the staff. Now, I, I, I do think that the Cardinals have probably gotten more better performances out of Jack Flaherty than they would have honestly expected at the start of the season, and I, I do think that the Cardinals expect that Carlos Martinez is eventually going to be coming around from whatever has been vexing him over the last few weeks and, and resume pitching like the pitcher that we saw for the first two months of the season here, but at the moment, uh, the, the rotation is particularly fragile. Now, Luke Weaver did manage to get a win out of yesterday's game in Milwaukee. That's his first win since the middle of May. So perhaps that puts him on, on a path toward getting some confidence back and performing more like the pitcher the Cardinals have seen at other points in his career. And maybe, again, Michaelis, when getting some run support over the weekend and managing to get back on a winning track, will start pushing in that same direction. Obviously, look, pitcher wins are flawed statistics. We all know that. But I do think that there is a, a degree of confidence that comes in with when, when, when you're a starting pitcher and you step out onto the mound and all of a sudden your team is performing behind you. That victory, I think, does end up being meaningful to some guys, at least in terms of you know the, the way that it sort of highlights the effort that they're putting Putting in now, uh, the struggle that the Cardinals are going to have here is is simply going to come in the form of gathering innings. I think from an, uh, enough pitchers here as we come down the stretch, because the Cardinals had a hard time even getting pitchers uh, through the sixth here over the last week or so. In fact, they went about a six-game stretch without having a starting pitcher complete. Uh, without having a starting pitcher complete six innings, and that leaves them obviously in a pretty difficult situation because it, it not only puts strain on the starting staff, but it also puts strain on the bullpen. Uh, it, it's pretty easy to see the effect of this strain when you're looking at the Cardinals, you know, over the weekend in a spot where they're getting blown out 11 to 2 by Milwaukee in a game where they are, in theory, carrying nine relief pitchers in a game where they only have to complete eight innings pitched, still having to turn to Greg Garcia to pitch an inning in Milwaukee. That speaks to not only, I, I think, the dismay and the despair of that particular game, but it also speaks to the Cardinals being in a spot where they feel like they're concerned about the workload of a lot of these starting pitchers. You know, guys like Bud Norris and Jordan Hicks, for example, are on pace to make roughly 70 appearances this season. That's, I think, a concern for both of those guys at, at both ends of the spectrum, whether it's talking about Norris as a guy, a veteran pitcher who after this year is probably going to want to find a multi-year deal somewhere to be a fixture in someone's bullpen. Or if you're talking about Jordan Hicks, who represents, I think, the future of the back end of the Cardinals' bullpen. His usage will continue to be monitored and continue to be a concern, I think, for folks throughout the season. There was a, a list of pitchers that went around Twitter yesterday that sort of highlighted the most pitches over, over a number of years. That I think in the last 10 years, the most pitches thrown over 100 miles an hour in Major League Baseball. And Jordan Hicks already is 10th on that list, but when you look down the list, it was obviously... Uh, it was obviously a role this Chapman at number one. You had Kelvin Herrera, who was recently traded to the Washington Nationals from the, the Kansas City Royals at number two. And then it was a stretch of seven guys who are out of baseball or who haven't been healthy or maybe you're playing in Japan before you got down to Jordan Hicks. And so to me, in reading that list, the concern that jumps out is the fragility of guys who throw with that kind of velocity. Now we've, you know, we've heard throughout the year about how Hicks is an exception because of his natural motion and his ball has sink on it. So it's a little different, but the bottom line is that, you know, the, the, the human arm is probably not designed to throw a baseball at 102 miles an hour. Some guys can do it and some guys can withstand it. And 
And to date, Jordan Hicks appears to be one of those guys. But if you're concerned about the long-term health and the long-term efficacy of Hicks, and the Cardinals certainly are, because I think that under under any sort of honest assessment, they probably expect Hicks to be their closer as soon as next season. If you have that concern, then it's vital that you're not running him out there in spots where he's putting himself at risk. And and so from the Cardinals' perspective, keeping that usage down becomes important. But when the games get longer for the bullpen and there are more innings to be eaten up, uh, then I think it's much harder to keep that usage down because you're forced into a position where you have to have guys chewing up some innings. Now, I, I think one spot where the Cardinals do have somewhat of an advantage is that when you look at the sort of depth guys in their bullpen, the guys that don't get a lot of a lot of credit, guys that you know maybe don't have the most glamorous of jobs, talking about guys like John Brebbia and Mike Myers, they have been effective this season. Brebbia in 22 appearances has a 2.96 ERA. Myers has made 20 appearances and has an ERA of 3. Uh, and, and both doing, I think, uh, a good job as well of keeping the ball in the ballpark. They've had strong seasons so far, and so when you look at those guys as depth pieces in your bullpen, I do think that 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 leaning on them perhaps a little more could yield a little more relief. I, I think you know My- Myers over the weekend was hitting a hundred in a couple of spots. Brebby has got that very sharp slider that he pairs with some mid nineties heat uh, that can create some strong deception. And if you have those two strong pitches or that one really good weapon out of the bullpen like that, you can be an effective pitcher for a couple of at bats in a row. And so perhaps it's incumbent upon Mike Matheny to find more better spots to use those guys in the pen. Uh, and, and I think probably also getting some guys back will help. If Greg Holland can step into some bigger spots, that would be helpful. If the Cardinals find themselves being able to get some use out of Luke Gregerson this season, that would be helpful. There are pieces. When, when you look at this bullpen, and this is, this is an assessment that I've heard sort of widely explained and one that I agree with. When you look at the pieces of this bullpen, they do seem to resemble an effective pitching staff. It's just that so far they haven't performed up to their capabilities. And so it leaves the Cardinals in a weird position where it looks like they're, they're, they're struggling a lot worse than they probably actually are. That's going to wrap up today's Locked On St. Louis Cardinals. Make sure you stay tuned. There will be more content all week long. Cardinals have an off day on Thursday. We'll try to get a couple of podcasts in before then, as well as, I'm sure, columns to come throughout the week. Kind of having a, going, to, going to take a chance to see if I can speak to Greg Holland today about what he's feeling and sort of his recovery as he makes it back to the active roster and looks to find himself in a spot where he's able to uh, able able to really contribute to this team in some effective fashion. So look for that at LockedOnSTLCardinals.com. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at JM Jones. As always, thank you so much for subscribing to the podcast. We're, uh, we're, we're, we're thrilled to be able to bring this to you on a regular basis to be the local experts you need to cover your St. Louis Cardinals, and it'll be here all summer long here on Locked On St. Louis Cardinals.